This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. In the year 2039, Gotham City has no heroes. Its people, no hope. Its youth, no future. Terry McGinnis was part of the problem. You can't control your temper, and you're better if you expect to get anywhere in life. Yeah, I'll be a big success, just like you. Until a moment of violence brought him to the door of a man named Bruce Wayne. Let's put a smile on his face. Leave him alone. Once known as the Batman. Now, the Dark Knight will rise again to drive the shadow of evil from the streets of Gotham. Let's go! Super villains, beware! There's a new Batman in town. Batman Beyond. You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman. Justice returns to Gotham. Welcome to my world. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to episode 261 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. With me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. It's Liam. Liam, we are continuing here in our Back to the Future month as we once again are back in the purplish skies of futuristic Gotham. And uh, we are continuing along with our review of Season 3 of the Future Dark Knight, Batman of the Future, Batman Beyond, whatever you want to call him. As, uh, as we have an interesting one here, as we, uh, we sort of wrap up what I would call the Ink Trilogy. With uh, with a, uh, a, a reappearance by one of Batman's uh, maybe most memorable rogues, certainly uh, counted among them at least. Absolutely, it's it's her last full appearance. You just have one more minor one later on in the series, but it's uh, it's uh, in the uh, it's not the most relevant thing in that episode because it also features Superman. <laughs> but uh, but yes, this is her last full appearance, the last episode that focuses on her talking about Inkling. And uh, not only does it focus on Ink as the villain, but we find out a little bit more about her backstory and, uh, and uh, in this case, her daughter. And yes, as the aforementioned episode, Inkling. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff to get into today. It's a fun little play on words, Inkling. You know, mm-hmm. so many... So many things there. Inkling, like you, you have this idea, you have this this idea that something is going to happen. Inkling, mm-hmm. ink is spelled like ink. 
That's funny. But then, of, co- of course, also like a little ink would be an inkling, right? The child, a, a begotten child of ink would be an inkling. So many levels here. You know, you, you get space brain just thinking about it. Or maybe not. <laughs> but uh, before we get into our breakdown of the full episode today, Liam, our four categories that we cover each and every week, we are, of course, going to get to the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which originally debuted here in the States on the Kids WB back on September the 30th in the year 2000, meaning we are coming up on the 23-year anniversary of this episode's debut. And of course, the official IMDb synopsis is brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower and subscribe there if you want to get great content like the Jump on the Batwagon podcast or the check out the Tim Talk podcast sitting there alongside our entire catalog of episodes, all 260 prior episodes, plus bonus episodes, all in one convenient streaming space just for you. That's youtube.com slash the pod tower. So this is the synopsis for the episode Inkling, which was written by Hillary J. Bader, directed by Butch Lukic, with music by Michael McQuistian and animation by Coco and Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. Seriously wounded in a double cross, Ink approaches her estranged daughter for help. That's all we got? That's all we got. Oh, no. Bare minimum. I think they just read the synopsis on the back of the book and just wrote the whole book report off of that. (laughs) Oh, see me after class, IMDB. That's a that's a that's a D. Maybe a D minus IMDB's poor performance aside, we will continue with, of course, breaking our synopsis of the plot down as we open things up at, I believe, the futuristic Elon Musk SpaceX launch. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) I'm just being told it is not SpaceX or Elon Musk. It is at the Shimano Space Center where Mm. uh, where there appears to be a launch of a satellite into space. Uh, and uh, the company owner, who is this man named Winchell, I believe, or Winchell, uh, he's uh, he's he's very, very on edge as he realizes that this satellite is worth quite a bit of money, approaching a billion dollars, I believe we're told. And uh, just as it's about to take off, of course, nothing can ever go right for the billionaires. When will they catch up? <laughs> you know, when will when will the rich people? you know, be be afforded some good luck. I'm always saying that <laughs> constantly. And uh, just just as, of course, the launch is about to take place with about five minutes to go. There comes our antagonist for the episode, Inc., as she emerges right from the ground and begins to destroy our rocket. Ah, feels like a steam bath. Three attempts just spiked. Shut down the launch sequence. It's not responding. Something's gone wrong with the relays. Four minutes left. And I'm right on schedule. So, where does the old man go to unwind? Tibet. He's visiting some old guru mentor friend. He's got him all over the place. Perfect. You could take Dane out to that cozy restaurant on the beach. Can't. Gotta work. You know, you're skating on thin ice with her already. You don't get it. He expects me to work even harder while he's gone. Why? He always thinks something bad's gonna happen the minute he leaves town. And somehow he's always right. 
And uh, wouldn't you know it, just uh, just by accident, Batman happens to be on patrol and sees the uh, sees the danger and arrives just in time to attempt to take care of Inc. as the countdown continues and the billionaire watches on from uh, from a bit of afar. So it appears that Inc.'s whole uh, modus operandi here is to destroy 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 and batman is uh is there to try and stop her there's a there's a brief battle as batman mentions that the last time he saw ink he references the previous episode that we talked about which you can hear in the archives at uh, dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app and uh he mentions that uh, she floated away but she she mentions that she's renewed and ready to fight as uh, she and Batman take on and he uh, he pulls out a freezing batarang and uh, is able to at least temporarily contain her. But we learn that uh, she he just actually he opens up, he hits he hits the like tank of uh, liquid nitrogen behind her. Oh, you're like, right. You know what? Battering. I don't Not know that that really matters. Freezy... But... I, for some reason in my head, it was a freezy battering. You're right. I think he hits the nitrogen. You are correct. But uh, yes, this uh, this causes her to freeze. But we learn that uh, that. She has evolved since their last meeting, or at least their last two meetings, and she is no longer impervious to, or she is now impervious to ice, and uh, she's no longer affected by it, so she's able to break out of it, and uh, then she goes about attempting to smother Batman, as is her typical MO, And uh, but Batman himself has learned his some tricks himself, and uh, we learn that the Batsuit has been rewired and equipped with this sort of uh, electricity force field i don't know what you would call it he's able to switch it on and off and we see it used later to to electrify his his uh his fists so uh he's got an electrical current running through his suit at this point so last time i saw you you were washed away in a storm and now i'm rainwater fresh batman soon to be ice water What the heck was that? A new technique, Batman. Did you think I'd learned nothing from our previous encounters? You should have minded your own bit. New circuitry ink. Did you think I'd learned nothing from our previous encounters? I really don't have time for this, Batman. They they meet at uh, what appears to be sort of a standoff as they have sort of both taken some damage, but uh, Ink continues on her mission to destroy the rocket, doesn't have time for any more fisticuffs, and is able to successfully knock over the rocket, launch as just as it's about to launch, and it uh, takes off, destroying several different buildings and uh, nearly killing some people on the way, if not for Batman who swoops in to save the day at the very end. And, uh, but unfortunately that point, the damage is done to the property. Thankfully, no one appears to have been seriously injured at least, at least that we're told about. But uh, after this, we learn that Bruce has gone to Tibet to, uh, to visit one of his old gurus. Mm-hmm. As we learn somebody, it's not, uh, not mentioned who you got any, uh, got any ink- inkling pun intended uh... on, on who that might be. Nanta Parbat in Tibet? Uh, sure, could be. I think was there like a mentor guy in the Dead Man episode? 
Mm. I mean, there's the god, there's Ramakrishna, but I'm trying to think if there was like a guy. No, like a monk guy in. Uh... Yeah, I think there is the the monk guy. Um, yeah, there's the one that that dead man talks to at the start of that episode. So we'll say it's him. Okay, all right. Tweet your uh, tweet your thoughts as to who Bruce went to to visit, perhaps at uh, at DCAU review or comment on the post on our Instagram page with your own theories. But uh, Bruce is out of town, which means we don't get Bruce at all in this week's episode. So it's just Terry and Max working together. And uh, Terry happens to mention in his two previous meetings with Inc. that uh, he would did not succeed in defeating her alone, that he needed Bruce's help for both of them. And uh, because of that, he does not want to involve Bruce this time, but kind of wants to take things on his own in order to defeat Inc. on his own without any support or help. And uh, especially worried about the last time where Bruce nearly lost his life. Uh, again, you can check out that episode in the archives at dcaureview.com or on your favorite podcast app. But uh, yeah, we we learn at this point that we're going to uh, to he's going to work on finding and doing his own detective work. And uh, we get our next our, our which allows us to see just exactly what's going on as we flash back to our billionaire Winchell who is uh, on the phone with his insurance company and talking about the loss. And wouldn't you know it, a certain ink visitor, inky visitor. I don't know what I was going to go on with there. A certain <laughs> flexible villain shows up just in that moment as he hangs up with his insurance company. We have no choice but to scrap the whole satellite project. Yes, we're all disappointed. It's a great loss for our company. It's only a loss until your insurance company pays up. Then it'll be more like a profit. And speaking of profit, I assume you're here for the remainder of your own substantial fee. Here are the routing numbers for my offshore account. This shouldn't take long. All I have to do is hit this one key and half my assets become yours. Or I could keep it all for myself. <gasps> Yes, I prefer the second option. Your resilience is remarkable, but this is no ordinary laser. It's a particle destabilizer. No substance is impervious. Not even you. Right, so we quickly find out that uh, this is uh, another example of Ink working uh, arm in arm with a uh, with a a businessman, not Derek Powers this time, but Mr. Winchell. And we find out that she sabotaged the rocket. Uh, he actually hired her to sabotage his own rocket for the insurance money. Classic, classic Saturday morning kids cartoon plot line here. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, and uh, and seemingly it's uh, it's all going according to plan. Ink is just asking for the the rest of her payment. Uh, but of course, Mister Winchell, being uh, such a greedy guy that he would uh, torpedo his own uh, billion dollar rocket launch just to pocket some insurance cash, uh, he decides he doesn't really want to pay her that money, and he pulls out a, uh, a deus ex machina weapon uh, <laughs> was it the, the particle destabilizer or something I believe that is the name he gave it <laughs> okay so it's uh it's it's something that makes uh ink not be able to hold she's always not she's always going through something that's made it so she can't 
hold hold herself together so she gets blasted by this laser as we get a, a little science lesson and uh she's just barely able to escape at the uh, at the 11th hour when things look uh, look pretty bad for her and uh assuming uh however what though she escapes uh winchell is is pretty sure that he's done enough damage that she won't be a problem that he'll have to deal with in the future and uh, from there, we cut to a, a repo man uh, trying to tow somebody's car. We're introduced here to Deanna Clay, who, uh, we, who just seems to be this sort of down, a little bit down on her luck, uh, you know, 20 or 30 something, a little little bank issue here. Her car's about to be repossessed. So she's having uh, having the tow away guy try all of these different cards to try to so that you can make a payment at the at the last second i gotta say something about the repo guy sure <laughs> so are we to, are we to understand that 50 years from now whenever now is the hitler mustache has <laughs> finally come back into vogue like it's uncanceled at this point i thought maybe this was like some sort of meta context like like Miss Bader or one of the character designers had a really bad experience with a with a repo man in their real life. And so they've decided to take him out by maybe I don't, I don't know. I, it it, ha- it has to be. Other other than like the time that Michael Jordan attempted to bring back the Hitler mustache <laughs> in the Danes commercial. I don't think we've had a more uh, a, just oblivious attempt at trying to bring back such a, a canceled piece of facial hair. Like I, I just, it's not, it's not ever going to come back. It is, un- <laughs> is unfortunately, uh, it, it cannot be uncanceled. It's just, it's not able to, to, to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, that was, that was immediately noticeable. That couldn't wait for visuals because <laughs> it would just be the first thing that people have to be asking this guy, his friends, Yep. His family had to be like, man, why just just why grow a real mustache? What are you doing, man? <laughs> I don't like, know no, about no I can pull it off. He's just like so so adamant about it. I can pull it off. I can mm-hmm. do it. You know what? I'm I'm the guy that can bring it back. You're like, no, <laughs> no, dude. No. Nope, I just absolutely you, not. And I see that that the most hated human in in, in history. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but uh, Hitlerian uh, repo men aside, yes, we're introduced to Diana, who is established very quickly. She's got some uh, some money issues, and uh, is uh, as she returns back to her apartment, we hear on the phone with another creditor, as she's uh, just you know just reestablishing that she's uh, she's kind of in over her head when it comes to the bills at the moment. Oh, poor little repo man. Don't look so sad. I'm sure you'll find other cars. What's this? You got a problem, lady. Credit counselor? I don't need a credit counselor. What I need is more credit. Hello? Oh, it's you. Listen, I know I promised to make a payment this week, but something came up. But what if we transfer the balance to the new card? Then use the old card to cover the overdraft. See? I told you we could work it out. (gasps) Ah! No! Wait! Ah! Ah! Let me go! I need your help. What are you? I'm your mother. 
And uh, at that moment, Ink, we see a very damaged and sort of literally falling apart Ink enter the apartment and Deanna is terrified and tries to run away. But here's where we get our, our big twist here, um, which is that Ink is actually at this apartment because Deanna is her daughter. Yes. Wouldn't you know it that uh, we find out that we that uh, Ink had Deanna at some point and she's come to her in an assist an attempt to assist Ink in her her uh, what do we call it her destabilized DNA at this point. So uh, we learn that uh, that Ink reveals that she's her mom and uh, she's explaining to Deanna specifically a little bit of her backstory. We get some exposition about who Ink was. We learn that she allowed herself to be experimented upon in order to uh, to reap the rewards. She got a apparently a ton of money and then realized that she could continue to make money uh, in her current state uh, by sacrificing that, but obviously could not be a mother to her daughter at that point. And it was too dangerous. So uh, she made sure that Deanna was taken care of by giving her a trust fund that Deanna was told was the result of a, an inheritance but was in fact ink funneling money to her in order to continue to take care of her. So we flash back to Hamilton Hill High School, where we have Terry and uh, and Dana. Terry, the worst boyfriend in the world, uh, stops himself from trying to blow Dana off, who is asking him just to spare a little bit of time to go someplace with him and Max. But uh, we we see that Max interrupts them just as he's about to to dismiss and cha- he actually changes his mind and says that he will go ahead and make time for Dana. But uh, Max shows up with some paperwork showing uh, some some backstory uh, and some research on what uh, what Terry can figure out as far as Winchell and uh, his uh, his uh, particular interest perhaps in having his own rocket destroyed so uh, as as he walks off he mentions that he's going to have to do some work and some leg work on his own and says that uh, he'll need max's help in creating a uh, a, a story of some kind and dana <laughs> happens to overhear apparently just that part but says that she isn't mad because she's figured out what's really going on which leaves us with a at least a momentary cliffhanger and we cut back to Deanna's apartment where ink is not getting any better it seems that she's continuing to break down we see her skin begin to bubble and uh, she's just kind of in this melting phase and uh, Deanna asks uh, for more money uh, from her but uh, ink is really concerned that she's not going to be able to hold it together for much longer and tells Deanna that she's going to have to go get some mutagen for her in order to uh, to restabilize Ink's DNA. Deanna isn't quite on board saying that she's not a thief, but Ink very quickly and convincingly apparently is able to, to tell her that it's easy and uh, she's going to talk her through how to steal this mutagen from these from the lab. So uh, Deanna decides she's going to rent a car in order to do it so that she can't be traced. And uh, it's through this that 
Inc. Uh, provides her with some routing and pin routing information for her bank and pin numbers, which is going to be important a little bit later. But uh, Deanna, in doing so, actually refers to Inc. as mother for the first time. And this is really touching to Inc. as she realizes that uh, perhaps they are bonding after all this time. Oh, you don't look so good. It's getting worse. There must be some cellular damage. The only thing that'll help me heal is more mutagen. You'll have to get it for me. You mean steal it? I'm not a thief. I'll talk you through it. We'll do it together. I don't know. I've never done anything like this before. I need this, Deanna. I need you. <sighs> okay. The lab is in the Montrose district. You'll have to drive there, though I wouldn't park too close. Maybe I should rent a car. Mine's kind of conspicuous. Smart girl. Thinking ahead. I'll transfer some creds into your account. It's all right. I'll do it for you, Mother. I just need the transfer codes and a PIN number. You know, that's the first time you've called me Mother. And uh, we cut back to the Shimano building where uh, where Batman is uh, doing some reconnaissance. He remembered he could turn invisible for a change. <laughs> I can't believe how how much he uses the invisibility this episode. It's like he he remembered it. He uses it effectively. Like I I, I couldn't believe it until he just for some reason reveals himself to Winchell. But yeah, obviously, yeah, of course that's what you do. There's uh, always a limit. Yeah, right, precisely. And hey, we've said before if they if they had linked this back to the the invisible man suit from See No Evil and in uh, Batman the animated series where there was like a there's like side effects for using it too much if you had done that it would have made it a lot simpler and it would have made it made it made a lot more sense but nope we have to create that story in our head as to why Terry doesn't just walk around invisible all the time but uh anyway he does he does do some some uh has some conversations with Winchell he's uh he's discovered Winchell six his uh, security guards on him but uh, Batman is able to get the best of him. And Winchell wakes up hanging over a a ledge. Batman is hanging him over a ledge, demanding to know information. He went old school here with his interrogation tactics. You got to give it to him. Uh, he learned something from Bruce, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he demands that Winchell gives him information on how he can find ink. Winchell says that he doesn't have that information, but does say that he can provide him with uh, the banking information after Terry uh, figures out that they might be able to get some more information of Inc.'s whereabouts based on that. He provides that to Max, who is working with him. She's She plays the role of the uh of the eye in the sky for this she's definitely the oracle of this episode even got her own headset and computer that mm -hmm. she's working on so you gotta gotta love that but uh, in this conversation as max is doing the work we kind of get to figure out just what dana meant when she said that she knows what's going on and uh she max explains after terry's uh at, at least initial apprehension that she may have have learned the secret of what he does is that uh, she, Dana sees the relationship between Bruce and Terry as a much like a father and son. And that after losing his own dad, Terry is very much looking at Bruce as a father figure, which a father figure, you say mm -hmm. a father figure, which mm. Max scoffs at hilariously. And then Terry says, you know what? He, you may not be too far off, which 
He may this, not. This is a forwards and backwards Easter egg, right? I'm on my way to the mutagenics lab. If Ink's really that badly injured, she's going to need more mutagen. You tracked down the account yet? Genius can't be rushed, you know. So how mad was Dana that I blew off our date? Actually, she wasn't mad at all. Said she understands the special nature of your job. What? She found out? Relax. She was talking about your relationship with Mr. Wayne. She says that with your dad being gone, it was important for you to have a positive father figure. Bruce Wayne. Some father figure. Maybe she's not so far off. Hold on. Here it is. Traced it to a European bank. Lots of big electronic deposits. Her fees, I guess. And monthly transfers to an account in Gotham. Who's? Checking. Genius or not, you better hurry. Looks like someone just broke into the lab. Never fear. I got the transfer info. It's a trust account for someone named Deanna Clay. Yeah, I mean... um, uh, apologies to uh to james from watchtower database but we're gonna spoil the jlu episode epilogue here um so there's your spoiler warning uh fast forward a minute if you don't want to hear this if somehow you're listening to this podcast and haven't seen that episode <laughs> um so it turns out that bruce is kind of through a convoluted cloning dna rewriting storyline introduced later on uh in justice league we find out that terry is bruce's son however what we what we have found out i think in the years since is that had there been a sequel batman beyond movie to the uh return of the joker film that would have focused on selena kyle an older selena kyle coming back and it being revealed that she had in fact uh, that Terry was a clone of Batman that was created by, uh, or was a you know, somewhat clone, whatever you know what you know what happens in the episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, of of Bruce uh, created by an elderly Selina Kyle. So we know this was in like the show Bible. It was in the Cliff Notes in the back of their minds bef- long before it made it to the screen in Justice League Unlimited uh, years later. So. They definitely were, were throwing out some hints here, and there's at least one or two uh, later ones later in the series as well, uh, including in the uh, in the uh, the Justice League episodes uh, uh, or the the Batman Beyond Justice League episodes. So there was a uh, you know it was definitely in the air already, and <laughs> and and maybe this this is a, a little bit of an allusion to it. But yes, with that hindsight of uh, now having seen epilogue, seen it brought. To, uh, to resolution that uh, that particular line of uh, of dialogue is uh, is is a fun little thing to call back to absolutely and uh yeah you can uh, tune back in now if you had your your earmuffs on we're done talking about spoilers <laughs> we're back to this week's episode and uh thankfully using that data that is supplied the banking data max is able to discover that uh, there were recent transfers made into an account in gotham city and is able to provide the address of one deanna clay we learned her last name is clay the mm-hmm. irony Deanna Clay's uh, account. So uh, they're able to get an address for that provided. And uh, Terry has the the inkling, again, pun intended, that this this may just be where he can discover ink. And wouldn't you know it, uh, that's where we uh, that's where we meet up with uh, with our hero and villain for their their final battle of the episode in our third act. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Terry, uh, after getting that name, makes it to the hotel before there. There is a note that uh, the the lab has been broken into, and uh, it, but then after he gets the address, he makes it back before Deanna can make it back to the apartment, and he and Ink have a brief scuffle. But it's clear that uh, that Ink is really uh, too worse for wear to pose any real threat, and seemingly Terry has her dead to rights. But then uh, Deanna walks in, waffles Terry with the with the suitcase containing this uh, mutagen that's going to heal Ink up and uh, th- is able to throw her the syringe and Ink injects herself with the uh, with the new mutagen. Oh. 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 Deanna? Not looking too healthy, Ink. Healthy enough to take care of you. and better than ever and uh, none of batman's old tricks electricity explosions he pulls out another another favorite uh batman beyond gadget of 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 ours i think the the belt the utility belt buckle buzzsaw thing so cool (laughs) pulls that out uh, that nothing seems to be working she ends up uh, they end up fighting into a uh, there's like a construction site next to uh deanna's apartment where uh where terry is just getting he's just getting uh just worn down and uh, right when it seems like Ink has him dead to rights, buries him under a bunch of rubble. He's barely able to escape from that. And then uh, as she is ready to deliver perhaps the killing blow, uh, it seems that uh, there was a little something extra in that mutagen that Deanna had given her mother as she begins to sort of uh, dissolve and, and, uh, and, uh, and fall apart once again. And we reveal that uh, Deanna added an extra ingredient, that being a solvent. And uh, as as Ink sort of cries out and asks why, uh, Deanna explains that uh, she doesn't need her mother because her mother already gave her access to all of her bank accounts. And yes. so uh, and so, there's nothing that she needs from her mother anymore. And when Ink asks why she would betray her, she explains that all she ever got from uh, from ink was in fact money and so that's all she cared about getting was ink's money what did you do what was in that mutagen Pentarol, it's a solvent you're dissolving mother why why would you do this to me for the money I have your accounts, and you're right. It is more money than I could ever imagine. After all I gave you, 
How could you have turned out like this? You never gave me anything except money, Mother. How did you expect me to turn out? So seemingly ink uh, dissolves away, and uh, and it's a, it's a very cold ending. We get a little bit of an epilogue as uh, as Batman returns to uh, a new a new area, a new palatial estate that Deanna has apparently purchased with her her mother's ill gotten gains. And uh, Batman lets her know that uh, some of the residue that Ink left behind at the scene on that fateful day uh, has disappeared from police evidence. And uh, when she mentions that she's not particularly scared because Ink is dead, uh, Batman reminds her that uh, Ink's been dead before. And then we get uh, we get that sort of the realization setting in that the uh, the horror movie monster may not, not may, may not yet be dead to uh, to end our episode. Yeah, we get some creepy shadows. It's funny. It's it's. Uh, I think the DCAU wiki pointed it out, but it's very much like the end of if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Where Mockridge uh, is sitting in his bed, quite afraid, wondering if the Riddler is going to come back to continue to exact revenge against him as uh, Deanna suddenly realizes that there's a lot of dark shadows around her that are moving at this, uh, this estate that she used to purchase uh, that she used stolen funds from her mother to purchase. And uh, then we get that, that uh, one of the shadows does indeed move and we see it turn into this extremely menacing looking eyeball. So uh, it appears that ink was indeed around at least looking to, uh, to exact some sort of revenge, but we, we fade to black at that point. So um, yeah, Liam, I guess we can get into our plot for this week's episode. Um, I think as far as the, if we call this the Ink Trilogy, yes, as you mentioned at the top, Ink does come back, but it is in a extremely minor role for her next appearance. So if we're looking at the the trio of Ink episodes. I think there's there's some intrigue, at least in this, because you attempt to humanize her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think adding a second antagonist that double crosses her can maybe lead to some conflicting feelings. It's like, Oh, she's betrayed by her own flesh and blood. No honor, no honor among thieves type things. Like, should I, should I feel compassion for her? Should I feel bad for her? But then again, it's like, like mother, like daughter, she's, you know, they're both, they both only do what they do for money. And uh, it was clear that Deanna was only sort of acting in the same way and, and exacting revenge for not having a parent and being taught that money is the only thing that matters uh, so I, I, I don't think, I think this is probably the weakest of the three plot wise. I do like the other mm-hmm. two episodes better plot wise. Um, but I think, I think that it's a fine, uh, way to sort of wrap up this character's story arc uh, in the, in the whole series. If, if you're looking at it that way, um, I, it, I feel like it's paced pretty well. Um, the, mm-hmm. It is a little bit formulaic, I think, having the the I mean, we joked about it at the beginning, like a children's cartoon where the guy is out to get insurance money. But yeah, it's, it's not exactly like a like a thing that's easy for your your eight year old to necessarily comprehend. But it is something that was played heavily upon how many different how many different characters have we seen <laughs> do that do that in some form or fashion? I think 
Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking about that because, like, it's like we we can't. It felt like well, we can't use Derek Powers because he's, mm-hmm. he's he disappeared, never to be seen again, yep. except in some comics. Yep. Um, Paxton got arrested at the end of that last Royal Flesh Gang episode, so right. we're introduced a third crusty uh, Gotham billionaire who needs who needs a supervillain to do corporate espionage for him. It does does feel like pretty uh, well-trodden ground for this series by this point. It's also, I think, even if you look at uh, the first episode of Superman, the animated series, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't insurance money, right? That Lex had the... Right. Had, he was looking to do dealings with the, whatever it is. But there's a, that that idea of like the, the scummy businessman that is trying to figure out ways to scam other people, which again, I, I'm not saying that that's not realistic. I'm not saying that, that there isn't some sort of real world aspect that you can apply to that, but it does feel like now that we're four, three, three, almost four series into this at this point, uh, if you count the new Batman adventures as its own separate series, um, you know, how many how many times can you go back to that same theme as the the motivation for the villain? Maybe that part of the story wasn't wasn't needed as much. Like maybe you could have just had her doing anything because it does it does at least create some of the um, it. it. I mean, it's how she gets affected by this gun or whatever, but maybe you just have her come back and she's already experiencing this because of what happened in the previous episode. Um, I don't know, but that was my only, that was really my only critique about it is it's the weakest, I think of the three episodes plot wise, but I still think that there is some good stuff there. I do like the, the idea of the double cross that you don't necessarily see coming um, unless you're, you know, super, smart and obvious and you realize that when she's asking for pin numbers and, and account numbers that that might be the, she might have an ulterior motive to for Deanna to a, be asking for those things but I ended up giving it a, a pretty solid 7 out of 10 because I, I did enjoy it um, I think that it has a mm-hmm. has a pretty solid bit of action as we'll talk about in visuals and animation um, in a bit I think the the fights between these characters between Batman and Ink are so well done and choreographed and just the visuals that we'll talk about here shortly are, are just accompany it or make it so enjoyable, but you get to have a lot more unique situations and, and uh, circumstances for these characters to interact with each other. Um, so yeah, I, I, I liked it, liked it a good bit. How about you? Yeah, I, I do like it. I think, I don't know, like based on how I'm again, we she got washed away in the rain the last time I saw her. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have cut the whole corporate espionage bit because really that's just how that's just to set up her getting hit with the magic laser that hurts her. <laughs> right. So if we could have started the episode with um, with ink, you know, just showing up in this strange woman's apartment, you find out it's her daughter. I feel like it would have been better because it could have given you a little bit more time to flesh out that relationship. So when the twist occurs, it, it feels maybe more, more dramatic. Um, But uh, you know, as, as it stands, like you said, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think it's a, it's a good solid episode. I like learning more about this character who's always been, such a a visual treat as we've talked about in in her previous episodes but not really a 
you know, we haven't really got, she's been this sort of gun for hire, or I guess she was, she was out for revenge in the last episode, but mm-hmm. um, we, yeah, we haven't really gotten to actually getting to learn a little bit more about who she was before she was ink and everything I think is uh that's an interesting idea. And yeah, the, the criminal who, you know, who has the soft spot for their kid that they had to leave behind and, you know, trading, trading, you know, being a mother for financially supporting the kid from afar and all that. Like there's some really interesting stuff at play here that I wish just got like a little bit more room to breathe. So uh, yeah, for all those reasons, I, I think if I didn't say I gave it the exact same score seven out of 10, I think it's good. Um, but maybe with a few tweaks here, if we found another way, maybe, maybe ink just gets like damaged in the, I mean, I guess there had to be a reason for her to be at the rocket at the beginning, but if if we could have maybe combined that and just uh, and just had her injured like right at the start of the episode, so we could have got more time with uh, with her and Deanna leading up to it, I think that would maybe would have put it into the uh, you know very good to great category. But as it stands, still a pretty good time. Yeah, I mean, you could even I mean, you could even start the episode with her showing up in this girl's apartment or do the bit with the the repo man and all that stuff and and have that girl go back to her apartment and ink show up and then ink explains who she is you kind of have the first act cliffhanger there of oh my goodness ink's got a daughter and then we kind of get you could have just had ink tell her what happened and it be i was working on this case or i was working on this job to make money and the person double crossed me and you you see what happens like I understand that I guess that they wanted to have sort of the mid break action point where Terry goes to the, to uh, Winchell's apart or uh, office in order to get the information mm-hmm. from him and have this little fisticuffs with the, the armored security guards. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I think we're, we're nitpicking or, or critiquing here, but I, I think that the reason why is because again, we have seen that sort of, corporate double cross happen as a as a recurring theme um throughout the entire dcau not not just batman beyond but especially batman beyond at this point so something of a different flavor yeah could have elevated but nonetheless still solid scores from both of us all right Liam, let's move on to our next category which of course is going to be animation and visuals as you mentioned at the top coco and dong yang responsible for this week's episode written by uh, Butch, or sorry, written by Hillary J. Bader, who, by the way, uh, just some kudos. Uh, we kind of uh, have, I think we've had a lot of Hillary J. Bader this month. I think almost everything <laughs> exclusively has been either co-written or teleplay by her. So um, yeah. yeah, kudos. Yeah, this is one of those episodes where, hey, it's a it's a solid episode. It's a good, solid episode. Mm-hmm. We nitpicked on a couple of things, but uh, you know, the rest of the episode is, is pretty strong. Um, but uh, directed by Butch Lukic, and uh, Coco Dong Yang, as we mentioned, responsible for the animation. Uh, what stood out for you? What did you like? There's a lot to enjoy when you have ink involved in an episode. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing right off the back. I think that that opening sequence uh, on the uh, on the on the rockets about to take off. That's like a, I think a really unique setting for even for this show, where you're not necessarily always on you know always on rooftops for your fight scenes, like maybe in maybe in the original animated series, but you're, you're, there's, there's just so it's, I think that's a really fun environment in general. And then, yeah, I feel like every time you don't necessarily see like the same transitions. It's not just like she makes a hammer or she makes a knife. Like sure. Sometimes she has like extra arms and, 
and just the constant sort of uh, literally and figuratively the the fluidity of how she moves and the different ways that her that she moves depending on the parts of the episode from the start when she's healthy and and sort of in attack mode to once she's been damaged and she has this sort of she's much more liquefied at that point just kind of constantly stuff dripping off of her kind of the entire time even when she's when she kind of goes back to that more human face she still has you know she still has uh, like this real murky look to her and then when she gets the uh, the mutagen in there's sort of a wave it's like you're dropped a stone in a in a pond or something that kind of goes through her as she takes more more solid form so as always i think in, in a, it's going to be a standout. The various ways you get into the the different shape shifting and shapes, but the actual, I guess, the consistency of ink, meaning her her physical consistency in this episode, changing so much from from scene to scene, depending on kind of what what uh, how the type of health she was in, I guess, throughout the episode, for lack of a better term, I thought was was really phenomenal. I think, and I think that that closing sequence on the. Uh, when they're fighting in the uh, in the construction area is, is really really strong and again Terry's just kind of completely outmatched and trying all these different fun gadgets and him again we already talked about it in the plot but him using the the buzz saw to slice through her um just fantastic and the the way that she's like always trying to like crush or smother him <laughs> when they fight I think is really fun like that's her go-to move yeah, to just like either sanitize him up or she just engulfs him, and it's like there's, like I, I always think like the the ink fights always feel like real, real brutal and like viscerally terrifying to just be like, <laughs> just be fighting a giant, a uh, giant mud woman who can just suffocate you. Like it just yeah. feels very, like even with all the 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 future bat tech, he just feels so outmatched in this in in this fight when she's when she's at a hundred percent anyway. No, I, I agree completely. I think we could probably talk for 20 to 30 minutes just on the just on the ink, uh, the, the ink visuals for this week. I mean, how fun do they have with being or how fun? How much fun did they have with, you know, she doesn't she doesn't follow normal uh, standards as far as how a character moves. She can go into five or six different directions. She bounces in one direction and then kind of bounces in the other direction. She doesn't she defies the law of gravity in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, she shapeshifts, she, you know, creates all these different uh, forms of her body, but it's not just like, as you mentioned, like it's very abstract. It's not going to be a specific uh, as, as Clayface does or, or, you know, mm-hmm. plastic man would have where you're creating an object. It's more of a uh, it's, it, she functions like a, a liquid more than she does an actual, uh, an actual rubber person or a, a mm-hmm. clay so, you know, the name Inc. fits her. It makes sense at that point. So I think we've probably talked about that in the prior two episodes uh, with her also, which were Disappearing Inc. and Blackout, by the way. I think we didn't mention that. Uh, but uh, yeah, check those reviews out where we talked about that. I think I think the, the way that they visualized, you mentioned it, the way that they visualized her illness in this, where as soon as this gun hits her, this destabilizer, and she, her, she begins to have this melting effect that kind of plagues her throughout the rest of the episode until the, till Deanna brings her this mutagen and she kind of is able to power up and reform, but it doesn't just stop with the, the dripping melting effect that she has. She has these 
like boils that are bubbling and popping off of her uh, Mm -hmm. while she's just kind of sitting there. It's grotesque. Like it's, it's really, really unsettling the things that they were able to, to do. And uh, they, they did such a great job in that first episode in blackout where uh, she, you know, it was, it was very much a, a horror themed uh, episode. It's very, very dark. There are certain things that happen where she tries to, you know, choke Terry by jamming herself down his throat, essentially, uh, you know, smother him that way. There's, there's some real horror elements to this character, the way it moves, the way she talks. Um, so the fact that they leaned back into that here with more grotesque things and, um, there's, there's certainly uh, different moments, especially in that, the fight scene at the end where she's kind of fully powered up. There's a shot where, uh, they're on this construction site and she just sort of, uh, creates, uh, she, she kind of enlarges herself and then she has all of these different limbs. She looks she looks like uh, like a spider or some sort of arachnid, and she's you know trying to crash down on Terry. And as you mentioned in the very first scene, she does her her best to try and and smother him. So you get this really horrific looking, uh, you know, he she's it looks like she's got a plastic bag over his head essentially and is trying to smother him but you see his imprint coming through uh her her form there uh so many fun different things that they that they were able to do and she doesn't get as much she has the opening fight with terry and then she's kind of relegated to the couch for that middle portion and then i uh, we have the the final battle in the third act but uh i think they met they for that for not having as much time as she had in some of the other episodes to kind of move around and fight Terry to only had two fights versus, you know, the normal three or whatever she she's had in past episodes. Uh, I really feel like they, they maximize the time to kind of get some of those visuals out there. And, and, uh, and boy, it was just super fun. Like it's a, it's a fun character. They had a lot of fun animating it. And, uh, and the, the animators did a, did a really, really good job for this as far as, uh, as far as her visuals are concerned. Um, I'll, I'll mention Deanna Clay. I didn't see this anywhere, but Deanna Clay's visual or her character model reminded me of Christina Ricci, the actress. Mm, 100%. Uh, for everything from just the way that her she's petite, small, but also has sort of a a unique hairline. She's got this haircut. Um, so not sure if it was modeled directly after her. We know, however, that creators oftentimes would model people after different actors and actresses, and uh, you know, so uh, quite possibly this is a a popular At time all, for, yeah. for Miss for Miss Ricci to be uh, to be an actress. So I, I would say that uh, more than likely that that might have been some sort of influence for the character. But uh, yeah, other than that, I think Batman does does uh, look very cool. The moment that he's introduced in this episode, he's just sort of standing on the uh, the Batmobile as he's talking to Ink. And that shot, it's just kind of this fr- this uh, front facing shot. And it's, you know, you get the sky behind him and he's sitting there on the floating Batmobile as he's as he's talking to her. Uh, the, the fight scene with the both the villains uh and or the uh the army of the army of uh faceless soldiers that uh happened to also look like the same soldiers that served uh Derek powers and the uh the wayne powers uh mm-hmm. the wayne powers uh so more creatures this is like a, a a local mercenary or or a security, <laughs> security or just like a yeah. security firm yeah private local. security firm yeah 
Uh, but uh, then in the the little battle that he has against Winchell, who's trying to use the 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 uh, the destabilizer on a, the particle destabilizer, he's sort of like running around on the walls. They do some some pretty good good stuff with that. There's some shaky can that they use to really drive home the fact of the of the rocket launch at the beginning of the episode that I that I liked, and then. You know, the battles between Ink and Batman, you already mentioned him pulling out the buzzsaw buckle uh, to slice through her. There's a lot of it in the same way that they they took uh, they took liberties with doing things with robots and and mannequins and such to destroy things throughout the series. It seems like they also had a little more leeway with this character because she was made of liquid because there's splatter hitting the wall there's shots of her you know just holes stuff going through her and uh you know her exploding into a bunch of different pieces her actual melting uh scene is downright horrific as she just melts down and her her human form comes back up but it begins to melt also and then you just see like her teeth floating in the puddle like very Mm, very horrific (laughs) but uh yeah, so strong stuff there. My only critique, and it's funny, I didn't notice this until I looked through the DCAU wiki and they pointed it out. And I once I saw it, I was like, yeah, I can't give this a perfect score because of this. But uh, the the line in the episode as Batman shows up at the end to talk, talk to Deanna, uh, she's sitting there sunbathing and she says, you know, you're standing in my you're standing in my son. And he mm-hmm. sort of gives her this, you know, dissertation about keeping an eye on things and the police will be after her and reveals that Ink is not dead. And as he flies away, he flies in front of the moon. <laughs> So I don't think she has like an artificial like sun lamp off screen that we couldn't see. No, I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) As much as I wanted to, I just I can't. So because of that one goof, again, I always go back to Heart of Ice. I didn't give Heart of Ice a perfect Mm -hmm. score for visuals because of the one inverted bat signal. If I did that there, I have to do this here. I can't give this a perfect score for it if it has a goof. So I ended up giving it a very strong 9 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I I went with an 8 out of 10. I think, yeah, all the the fight scenes I think are, are really strong. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, that is a, that is a pretty, that is a pretty big gaff, I guess. I guess you would definitely place that on, on the, on the background and on the, uh, the final, the final edit there. Maybe it was just by the time it was noticed, it was too late type of thing. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think it's really strong. The, the, the opening fight scene and the ending fight scene are, are a lot of fun and just the, the varying of the back gadgets and some of the, the more complicated, there's, there's sort of a, there's a shot of the the rocket. It like falls on its side and then like starts blasting through these warehouses before it ends up hitting the the uh, the fuel tank or whatever. I think is is really fun. Like Batman sort of running across it and Ink is sort of following him. It's all they all kind of do it as one continuous shot. I thought that was uh, that was pretty well done. And as Batman kind of saves the worker from the um, from the explosion at the start of the episode, the like the smoke and the fire is sort of almost, it almost looks like it's, it's just in frame. It almost looks like it's fingers. Like it's kind of reaching out mm-hmm. to try to grab hold, hold of Batman. And as he's, as he's flying away. So I thought, I thought that was, there were some really cool uh, visual tricks in this episode that, uh, 
that I really enjoyed. But yeah, did you see the one like, when Batman's doing his reconnaissance? He remembers that he can turn invisible. He <laughs> lands on the roof. I really, really liked this. He lands on the roof and he's in focus and the background is blurred. And then they do a quick switch where suddenly he's out of focus and the background is in focus. I was Ooh, like, yes. man, that's a that's a neat little trick to make this feel like a like a real real world you know like this is Absolutely. really a, a movie or a film like you don't it, it like that's a just a cool trick Absolutely. Um, the last thing i'll mention that i don't think either of us mentioned was in that final fight scene right before the uh the the dissolvent or the solvent kicks in uh as it appears that ink is going to win she pulls out the old bane break batman's back trick mm-hmm she does it a little bit more brutally, though, with not just trying to break him over her knee, but she makes her knee into a giant spike that is coming up sort of through Batman's back at that point and trying to break him over the knee. So, you, you know, we'd be remiss not to mention that uh, another villain tried to tried to paralyze <laughs> slash kill Batman in the same way as uh, as a classic uh, Batman <laughs> villain did. That's right. It's like poetry. It rhymes. But uh, and yeah, I and I I. Yeah, if I if we haven't praised it enough, that the final shot where where they're looking around at all at all the shadows and uh, and then the, the shadow forms into Ink's eye, and I guess we didn't really talk about this in plot. Is that a metaphorical? She's still out there, or does she literally show up to kill her daughter? And that's in that moment. I I I think it's left up to your own interpretation. I would interpret it as she is was literally there. Okay. That, that that was it was a quick and swift end for Deanna because it doesn't seem like to me if Ink was able to reform that she would waste much time in exacting revenge and getting her money back from her from her spoiled brat daughter. I think that's fair. I, I, I was just thinking about that if it's sort of a again, if it's just sort of where we're looking out into the ether and we sort of mm-hmm. see the eyes, the eyes in the sky sort of thing, or if it's literally supposed to be that she's, she's there in that moment. So that's a fun bit. That's another thing. If you want to uh, tweet us at, uh, or comment on Instagram at DCAU review and uh, tell us what you think. But yeah, that, uh, that, that ending bit where the, the shadow swirls around and then the, the purples and blues sort of slowly enter the frame and then form the eye is a, is a really neat way to end the episode either way. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which of course is going to be music. I believe you mentioned at the top, Michael McQuistion responsible for this week's music. And uh, I had a couple different notes here. I did a lot of talking in our last category though. So I will allow you to go first to see uh, what kind of notes you had as far as music was concerned. Yeah, I didn't have uh, much. I feel like it's 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 pretty standard uh, beyond fair. Mm-hmm. You have your you have your synthesizers and electric guitar. I I like the uh, the opening action sequence music there. I think it has a really uh, as a really fast and uh, an exciting pace to it. I think it adds to that that opening bit there with you know Terry trying both to to fight Ink and then also having to deal with this uh, the, the explosion and the destruction of this. Uh, this ticking clock on the, uh, on the countdown of the rocket, I think is really, it's really fun. And then there's uh, there's definitely some use of like those, those lighter, lighter synths, kind of those really echoey synths, I think in the, uh, in the Deanna apartment scenes with her and her mother, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, which I kind of appreciated, but uh, beyond that, I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of other, other notes <laughs> for music other than our, 
our uh, our usual notes about the action there. But uh, I did notice that I felt like they were doing something. Uh, the, yeah, there's not really an, an ink theme, mm-hmm. so so it's hard to really zero in on anything without being able to listen to the the soundtrack in its entirety. But mm. um, yeah, I thought those were kind of the stands out. Was they they I think they were trying to play sort of a a softer, uh, more more emotional synth during some of the the mm-hmm. sequences there with uh, with Ink and and Deanna. Yeah, it's definitely downplayed in those in those uh, in those scenes as a more vulnerable Ink is speaking with in a you know any more quiet setting. Um, the notes that I that I had, I think the the scene with uh, with with Batman doing his his uh, investigation uh, with Winchell, and uh, you know one of the things that I noticed, which I I think. I think is probably uniform across the series, but I, I, I think in some ways is sort of the, the Michael McQuistion trademark for the series is that you have the, you have sort of these intense moments where in that scene, you have a, you have the guitar come in, you have the drums come in. Once the, the security force shows up and we see that there's going to be this little fight, of course you get the guitar, you know, wailing, but then you have these little moments where the guitar will drop out and it's just synth and it's sort of just a very spooky, you know, it sounds sort of like a choir or voice voice effect essentially through a synth of just giving single, uh, notes and then you kind of get the drums come in at different spots. It's just kind of a you know maybe a light hi hat and a couple of tom toms coming in, and then then the you hear just the synth and then the drum will will have a little drum roll again and then the music will kick back in again and you get the guitar and the drums and everything all together and in that scene you you do get that and it was just something that I was like man this is this is sort of the trademark of this is that you set those those downbeats those moments where maybe Terry is escaped or the, the, you know, the, 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 his adversary is looking for him in the midst of the smoke as it is in this, in this case is, as, as uh, Winchell has, has created the smoke screen uh, much to his own chagrin and he's unable to find Batman. And then as Batman pops out of the smoke, you know, the, the guitar wails again, but um, yeah, I think in the, the, the main music that I, that I, the main musical pieces that I, that I noted were the, the fight in the action at the, at the end, you kind of have almost an inverted, beyond theme it sounds like the beyond theme but it's almost like the parts are rearranged in different Mm -hmm. orders um so it kind of plays backwards almost or upside down or whatever um it's it's so it 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 sounds like batman's in peril but you have you have the same notes that you're used to hearing from those themes and then uh the the creepy ending as batman has flown away and deanna is there by herself and she begins looking around and, you know, you just kind of get this light synth playing and then this really creepy horror theme that plays over top of it. Once they do the reveal of the eye, um, just just effective storytelling. It sets the mood for that and creates, you know, this intense moment of, oh, my goodness, the the villain is still here. Um, so yeah, those were the, those were the notes that I had as far as music were concerned. Um, it, otherwise the rest of the episode solid, I think, um, I ended up giving music a seven out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went just, uh, just one point lower. Uh, I went six out of 10. I do agree. I, uh, I, I did have that in my notes that, that, that final little sting as we, we get the, the reveal of ink and sort of build that tension where she's just kind of looking around at the, the shadows and the water and everything kind of 
and, and then and then we get the big reveal at the very end there is 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 really well done it's not it's not really dramatic it's not like these shrieking horns or strings or anything but it's it plays into that moment pretty uh pretty perfectly there all right William, let's wrap things up here with this week's voice cast uh not a lot of actors and actresses this week but uh enough and a couple of guest stars to chat about here so let's get to it and talk about this week's voice actors Absolutely. So uh, our, our first guest star, we have Peter Mark Richmond as a Winchell, who folks would know from probably if you're if you're an older folk, you might remember him from Dynasty or from uh, from some of the Friday the 13th movies as well. Some other voice acting to his credit. You know, he's just he's there to play a, uh, you know, a crusty, uh, crustal, a crusty billionaire. He doesn't have a lot to do, but uh, <laughs> He does a solid job, and I will just mention if you look up a, a picture of uh, of this of this gentleman, uh, Peter Mark Richmond, his character designs seem to be uh, slightly based on on his uh, on his real life look. So I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Interesting. Well, but, he yeah, also he, played he played Abin Sur apparently in Superman the Animated Series and uh, oh. plays uh, plays Charles Baxter in Batman the Animated Series. So multiple DCAU videos or uh, voice voice acting roles from Charles Baxter from the Riddler's Reform episode of the Baxter's Toy Company. Ah, there you go. So that's uh that's a pretty memorable one. At the very mm-hmm. least so yeah, I think he does a solid job. But uh, elsewhere in our in our minor cast, we have a couple of our regulars. Very briefly, we have Lauren Tom as uh, as Dana. Um, who has gaslit herself into letting Terry off the hook this week, the poor girl. <laughs> and, uh, and of course we have pre summer as max. I liked it. Like it's, there is the thing where obviously so much of the show is about Terry and Bruce, but when you do take Bruce, not, you know, I'm never going to celebrate because Kevin Conroy isn't in, in an episode that we review, but it, it does give Terry a different personality to bounce things off of. Like we talked about that, uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we reviewed uh, Untouchable, where you know Bruce is very much just immediately cutting through all the all the BS and calling calling Terry out, and doesn't want to hear about any of these you know these teenage problems that he has going on while they're on a case. Whereas uh, Max gets to kind of play a different uh, you know a different side of that of that <laughs> uh, uh, a slightly more sympathetic year for for Terry to to bounce things off of and. And also to, uh, you know, as, as, even though it's a, it's a very brief conversation to touch on the the dichotomy of Terry looking for a father figure on one end. And then you have, you know, Deanna and Inks, you know, parental relationship uh, literally and figuratively dissolving before our eyes in this episode. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Miss Summer, of course, does a does a very solid job in, in what's asked of her. You know what I like uh, about her also is mm-hmm. that at least, especially in this episode, but in the role that she's given, which I probably would have liked to have seen her in a different role. I don't know that putting on a costume was something that was ever an option or that I necessarily would have wanted to see, but mm-hmm. maybe not so much as just straight supporting cast for, for Max. We do get a couple episodes obviously that are Max focused, but mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless, she gets to be the, the, the comedy. And then Terry has to play off of her as more of the straight man. And mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, Terry being the comedic quit machine and Bruce being the straight man. So uh, you, you do change the dynamics a little bit around there and, and you get Wilfred L having to, you know, getting to be a little bit more serious mm-hmm. and, 
Cree Summer providing a little bit more of the of the uh, of the comedy as Max. Absolutely. And uh, from there, we have our other couple of guest stars. We have uh, playing the role of Deanna Clay. We have uh, Miss Azura Skye, um, who would probably be best be known for she had a, a couple episodes of Buffy that she was on around this time, which I'm guessing is why. <laughs> uh, you know, not uh, well, not that she's not a talented actress, I'm sure. But uh, we, as we've talked about, Buffy was just such a kind of sudden mega hit for mm-hmm. the WB network at the time that it influenced a lot of other programs including uh including batman beyond as as bruce tim and others have sort of talked about and how uh you know so i'm, I'm sure that's not an accident that one of the uh, the buffy actresses ended up in this role but uh, more recently she's also been on a lot of uh, episodes of riverdale and things like that but it's interesting because she kind of has this like ditzy air about her i feel mm-hmm. like when you first meet her mm-hmm. but then she she and there's not like a great change in her inflection, but I do feel when that, that, that more villainous turn comes, it, it works because it feels more like she's, she's a sociopath. Like she's, <laughs> she has no, she has no qualms or emotions about stepping on anybody. Like she just, you know, she like, and, and she kind of sets that up at the beginning a little bit in the sense that she's telling him like, I don't, you know, I don't need help managing I don't need help managing my finances. I just need more money or whatever she says. Like she's, she's very single-minded somehow, like somehow, like I said, even though it's not a, it's not a, you know, complete change in her performance. Uh, it feels very like it feel it works for me. Like the way mm-hmm. it just feels so cold when she's just explaining that like all you ever gave me was money. And that's, so that's all I wanted from you right. at the end there. And her playing off of, um, since they're so linked in this episode, we can kind of talk about them both at once. Uh, Shannon Kenny, of course, returning as Ink in this episode, um, who I really like. I always really like her as Ink, but again, giving her more to do. And you almost, you don't, you don't really cast her in a sympathetic light, mm-hmm. but I think that comes back to something that I think sometimes gets misconstrued in modern um, film or television criticism. Mm-hmm which is that you can you can make a character who is still a bad person doing bad things but you can still make them a bit more relatable you can you can flesh them out you can have them act like a regular human being sure yeah <laughs> i think sometimes people feel like oh well if they have a mildly sympathetic backstory that means we're supposed to like them or defend their actions or the show is endorsing their actions and I never get that sense with Ink, but when you learn more about her and you go, you know, she was on the run and she had a baby and she was young and, you know, she, you know, she put her off on, you know, her adopted parents or a foster system or whatever. But, you know, she tried to keep in, you know, kind of keep in touch from afar and send her money and all this stuff. Like, like, I, I just liked seeing the way they bounced off of each other and how this complete lack of a relationship and how they're both kind of using each other in this moment is I think, I think both Miss Kenny is ink and uh, Miss Sky as, uh, as Sienna, like they, they really play well off of each other. And that's, they, you know, neither one of them is a, you know, a full-time actor on the show. They have to do a lot of the, you know, both the, you know, expositional lifting of the episode and also a lot of like the emotional heavy lifting of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will be honest. I, I think their work together brings up Miss Sky's performance and I, I don't know, it doesn't look like 
prior to this episode that she had much, if any voice acting experience. And I would say that that may show a little bit. I see that, that, you know, in her history, she did American dad after this and some stuff for video games. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, perhaps her, her experience here helped launch additional voice acting opportunities for her, which is great. Um, But I, I think, at least initially it comes off as a little bit wooden. I think her conversations, um, you know, later on as she's interacting uh, specifically with ink and, and Miss Kenny's performance, I think that's where you start to see a little bit more emotion and you start to see a little bit, um, a little bit more depth. So I, I think off the bat in, and even in her, in the, the final scene with Terry it felt, Again, sort of kind of one note, very monotone in a, in a lot of ways um, as she interacts with Batman, rather not Terry. Um, so I, I I think the strength comes certainly with the the chemistry with Miss Kenny's ink um, and does sort of reveal a little bit of that warmth and brings a little bit more emotion out of her. So um, I think in those scenes is where she actually gets to kind of show a little bit of her of her talent. So, um, yeah overall overall i think better together than than separate in my opinion yeah i think that's fair i think yeah i think that's definitely where the episode shines for both of them and yeah and almost like i said i I think the the three ink episodes we got are all they're all somewhere between good to great i think so it's hard it's hard to uh to necessarily want to mess with that and you you always run the risk of uh i think diluting a character the more you use them pun very much intended um (laughs) But uh, the fact that this is kind of the last, as we said, the last full appearance that Miss Kenny gets is ink as we're now just learning more and more about her, you know, her, her past life. I think that's interesting. And, and uh, it would have been nice to maybe get her in the, in the booth for one or two more episodes, but as it stands, like I said, I think she and Miss Sky, and of course, Will Friedel as Batman, as we said, uh, no, uh, no Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne this week, but uh, we do have Will as Batman. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. Like we said, there's a little bit of a, you know, like you said, there's a little bit of a different dynamic with him and Cree Summer in this episode, which is fun. But uh, yeah, I think uh, overall it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid, uh, solid to good uh, outing from everybody out there. And so I ended up on a pretty strong eight out of 10 for my voice acting this week. Hey, that's exactly the same score that I gave it eight out of 10 as well, yeah, pretty solid all the way around from uh, from our voice cast. Maybe a, a, I we talked about it already. There are some, there is some redeeming factor to not having a Kevin Conroy appearance, but uh, you know that is that is something that always adds at least a point or two to the score. So it, uh, who's to say if Kevin Conroy was in this cast, if we wouldn't have uh, been close to perfect at that point? But eight, still a solid score from both of us. All right, Liam, let's wrap things up at this point with our final scores, tallying everything up at this point. I end up with a pretty solid 31 out of 40 for my score. I know I had a a higher rank in a couple of different categories, so I imagine yours might be at least a point or two below mine. Yeah, just tallying everything up, I just come in at a couple points lower of a 29 out of 40. Um, we can briefly touch on rewatchability. Yeah, I mean it's the, it's as you said, it's the the third the third uh, third episode of the of the trilogy. It's a returning villain, 
and it's uh, just a pretty good solid episode all the way around. So I, I would give this a, a thumbs up for rewatchability. Yeah, agreed. I, I have no disagreement with that. It's important to the uh, the rogues gallery of Batman uh, Inc. does return, as you mentioned, in a later episode. So if you missed this one, it would be kind of weird that she just shows up later on to uh, to fight Batman and uh, and and interact with with uh, the man of tomorrow. So but uh, that is a bridge that we will cross when we come to it in the future. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, we would love your support for the podcast, and there are multiple different ways for you to do that. Uh, The first couple of ways, of course, are to check out the show notes. There is a link to directly support us financially. If you'd wish to do it that way, buy myself or Liam a cup of coffee. Um, or you can also head uh, check out the link in the show notes to our store where you can pick up a piece of merchandise through our store shop. You can also uh, support us by leaving a review and five-star review for our podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or if your ancillary podcast uh, platform allows you to leave a review, heck, leave one on there as well leave a little blurb if it allows you to do so don't forget if you listen to us on spotify we have our spotify exclusive poll and uh and our question of the week which we always post there you can check that out is also in the show notes if you're listening on spotify so check that out let your voice be heard give us some feedback and uh and vote in this week's poll and then, of course, if uh, the if you want to support us in an additional way, you can follow us on social media at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, as we mentioned at the top of the program, head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and subscribe there. Like the videos as they come out and check out those other podcasts, both uh, Jump on the Batwagon and Tim Talk that uh, stream on there with us. They uh, cover some great DCAU stuff as well. Liam, next week is the fourth Saturday of the month, and uh, we are going to uh, to take to deviate from the DCAU. We're going to take a trip around the multiverse, but we're sticking with the theme of a trip into the future. What what's happening here? Where are we headed? <laughs> That's right. We decided to uh, spare ourselves and our listeners another two episodes of the Zeta Project for now. And uh, instead, we are going to look into the Elseworlds, as you said, Cal, and back to uh, maybe our, I'll just say it, our, our show's favorite Elseworld that yeah. we visit uh, quite frequently, uh, and that being Batman, the Brave and the Bold, and it's the episode Knights of Tomorrow, which features not only an older Dick Grayson taking up the mantle of Batman, but uh, a new Robin introduced as well, and the, what I believe at the time was the first animated appearance of one Damian Wayne. So lots to get into next week as we look at an alternate take on a future Batman and Robin. So looking forward to that next week. Also featuring Dietrich Bader, who everyone knows as the <laughs> voice of Zeta. There you go. Still on theme. <laughs> it's in the future and Dietrich Bader is in it. So it's pretty much the same as the project episode except better because it's not that's i couldn't have put it better myself i can't wait to review that with you but until then i'm cal (laughs) i'm liam and we will talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye bye